0: winning comes in all shapes and sizes it's different for everyone one thing is certain every day there's an opportunity for a win just like scratchers from the virginia lottery every day grab and go every day giftable every day fun it's where anticipation meets instant gratification like the new virginia lottery scratcher high roller blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize now that's an everyday win drive to a retailer near you odds of winning any prize one in 4.16 everyone loves shopping online Hey there, boys and girls.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. It's April 1st, April Fools, no April Fools jokes today. We're in a different time and place. This podcast presented, as always, by betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use the promo code Podcast One to receive 50% sign up bonus today betonline.ag. It is quite a time in the world, quite a time in sports. I'm going to rant today about where I see sports right now with the COVID-19 virus and where I see sports going as a whole. been talking about a lot. Uh, I've been busy as ever doing my podcast, of course, What You Hear Here, my column for Sports Illustrated, my teaching online with faculty meetings and classes, really interesting stuff we're talking about. My class online is a hundred percent. Well, not a hundred percent, but we've thrown out the syllabus. We're talking about the coronavirus uh, impact on sports and some of the articles we're seeing around having students lead discussions on that. Um, And of course, you know, when we talk about class, it's a whole different world. In my world at Villanova, we've had a lot of meetings and we've decided to go pass fail through a faculty vote A lot of arguments to go past fail generally, obviously these unique circumstances we live in, but I can understand, excuse me, students that were talking about going uh, grades because they see a difficult job market ahead with all the economic impacts of this virus and want to differentiate themselves, especially students that were and expect to do well this semester. So it was a tough decision but these unique circumstances called for unique grading options. And we're going to go pass fail on that. Hope everyone is staying safe, uh, staying healthy as possible, doing what's required. Dr. Fauci must protect him, a voice of reason and all this, of course, some sobering news coming out of the white house yesterday on March 31st, that we face a grim couple weeks ahead, but that's okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to move through this. It's been somewhat a personal blessing having my son, Sam, home and his girlfriend and their two cats, Uh, just feeling like uh, we're all in this together. My son, Sam, whose music you hear underscoring the opening and closing of this podcast, uh, the talented musician that he is. So what we're going to do is talk about the impact on sports. I thought I'd sort of take a look where we are as we start April after the first quarter of 2020. And see sort of where we are in sports, especially the major sports leagues, give you a rant on that, and then take a listener question or two. They've been coming in. So many questions to be asked about where we are and what goes on. So here's my rant, and it starts with my common refrain on Twitter, as one myself, which is there will be lawyers. So much of what's going on right now and the questions people have about what happens is going to come down to contracts and the way contracts are written and what it says not only about force majeure, which we'll talk about, but about all aspects of what happens when there's potentially loss of games, loss of revenues, etc. And we're obviously not only talking about player contracts. I know the world at large beyond sports is worried about even of individual contracts like landlord-tenant that are going to be so much in flux coming up. But in sports, think about all the contracts that go on regarding this issue. First of all, the macro contract, the collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and the NFLPA, between the NBA and the NBA PA. The PAs are the collective representation for all the players, the um, the collective negotiator for the players, CBAs are, co- are collective bargaining agreements that really are the governing documents for players, associations, and leagues for what their rules and regulations are. And in the past, me and everyone has really focused on the CBAs dealing with the key economic factors, such as free agencies, such as salary caps, such as drafts, such as uh, benefits, but we've never really focused on what happens if there's a pandemic, of course. These are new times, they require new legislation, new contracts, new workings of agreements, and the question becomes what to do, and first you look at the contract and see if there's language about that. Now, what we've seen and heard is that there is one league that has dealt with this in their force majeure clauses, and force majeure is a Latin word in contracts that really comes down to unforeseen events, things that happen that sort of affect global, national events beyond sports that cause a shutdown in sports. And when force majeure clauses usually come out, we're talking about earthquakes, we're talking about massive fires, we're talking about tornadoes, we're talking about catastrophes. And then the question becomes, is the word epidemic use? Is the word pandemic use? And in the NBA case with their players and their collective bargaining agreement, it is. So NBA, lawyer, NBA lawyers were ahead of this in terms of putting the word pandemic in, and that is in. So potentially, and again, all of this is potential if and when it gets to this point and the players and the exercise, uh, the, the league, excuse me, wants to exercise this. Will they withhold payment to players? And again, we're talking about two players. Again, the agreement between the players of the NBA and the owners of the NBA is what we're talking about here. Now, of course, there are team agreements, individual player contracts. We've not heard about pandemic being part of that. There are contracts between, of course, teams and vendors, teams and concessionaires, teams and parking, teams and... um, cleaning facilities. These are all the things that go on. There are literally hundreds of contracts in team and league operations in sports. And for those of you who want to get into sports on the legal side and the business side, a lot of what you're doing does not involve the players. A lot of it does not involve players. Players are the reasons we have sports, and everyone like me who's worked around sports all these years is only doing it because we have players and talented players that people want to watch and see, but it's so much beyond sports. It's just so much beyond sports and players. When we talk about these contracts, what are the legalities? And that's going to be the first place people look And a cottage industry will come out of this with lawyers reviewing contracts and lawyers looking at contracts on how you get out of this. And of course, last week I had on Richard Gillard talking about insurance contracts and where all that's going to go. But insurance is just the tip of the iceberg. So where we are, the NBA has this epidemic language. Can epidemic mean pandemic? I would think that is certain. Can they get out of it? It seems so. Will they? We will see. Okay, so where we are today, excuse me, In this pandemic world, in sports, on the major sports leagues, and even the less than major, we have suspension of operations with Major League Baseball, with the NBA, with the NHL, with Major League Soccer. No shutdowns, no cancellations. We do have the XFL, which has canceled the season, but no one else has said it's over. And I'll get to the NFL in a minute, but when we talk about these other leagues, here's where we are. We wait, we wait, you know, we're going to see what happens with the pandemic with social distancing. We've got an order from above, above the leaders, the president, his senior advisors saying social distancing will continue for this month, this month of April. So of course we're not going to have sports in April. Okay, I think we all kind of expected that. What about May? What about June? Well, again, it's too early to say, but we're going to have a different look at sports. So in my best estimate right now, not being a scientist, not being a doctor, not knowing what this virus is going to do, I think these sports will come back. I think everything will be in their power to come back, but probably without fans, And layering in fans at some point as we keep going. I just think that's the uh, obvious is too strong a word, but that's the likelihood. Now, is that going to be mid-May? Is that going to be mid-June? Is that going to be mid-July? Who knows? You know, we're in this grim period where the deaths are going up, although as of nine o'clock this morning, only six. I say only six deaths as I look at my World of Meters website every morning six deaths in this country, which is a a nice number um, to see, but we don't know where that's going to go the rest of the day. Anyway, this is all fluid. So everyone wants to know when, when this, when that. Right now, we just don't know. Believe me, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, MLS, NLL, all these leagues do not want to cancel. They do not want to be wave the white flag on their 2020 seasons. I get it. Of course they don't. So they're going to hold on. You're not going to see these announcements. The only announcements we're going to see is stay tuned. And again, I'll get to the NFL in a minute, but these other leagues are, we have to keep hope alive for our fans, for our sponsors, for people that have bought in for our ticket sales. I get it. I get it. But they're trying to balance this delicate balance of keeping hope alive, but not being tone deaf to what's going on on a greater scale. And this is where you get to the organizational side. This time last week, the team that I follow in the NBA, the the Philadelphia 76ers, was getting roasted and the Twitter hounds were out there saying, oh my God, they were reducing salaries of workers over $50,000 in salary who are at will, who didn't have contracts. Of course, this doesn't apply to players. By 20%, giving them four-day weeks, basically saying you're going to work 80%, we're going to pay 80%. And they got roasted. And, of course, billionaire owners get no empathy. I get that. And they reverse course. The Twitter shame got to them. But here's the deal. It's going to happen. It's happening at league levels. We've heard about NHL. Taking pay cuts, top executives, and now the NBA, the commissioner included, taking pay cuts as we go forward, and it's going to happen because people are home not working, and this is life, and I know no one's going to empathize with billionaires, but what's going to happen is someone's going to jump in, whether it's NBA, whether it's Major League Baseball, whether it's NHL, and say, hey... You know, uh, you know it's time. We've got to start furloughing employees. We've got to start giving a little bit of pay cuts. We'll do it too. And, and then everyone else is going to jump in as we have this uncertain time. You know, that's where we are, and, and that's unfortunate. But I just think sports is going to not be immune from every other business. As much as we want to say, well, these billionaire owners... But listen, I don't think we're there yet. Everyone's hopeful. Everyone's social distancing, we hope, and that's where we are. But sports as we knew it, you can't count on that right now. Hopefully we can. Um, Okay. The only other thing I'll say about these other leagues is that we live in a, for lack of a better word, a socialized sports system in this country with the major sports leagues where because of revenue sharing and because of salary caps, except for baseball, we have some kind of, we have some equality. We don't have that in others in college sports. And we don't have that overseas with premier league. We've talked about um, primarily American sports, a couple notes from overseas. We see that Lionel Messi, the most, uh, obviously the most well-known name, going to a 70% pay. And again, will we see this from NFL, NBA, NHL players? Well, I don't know, because we got a problem here with unions and collective that they will probably not be allowed to do that. There are no unions over in Premier League and, and European soccer. So that is happening. And kudos to Messi and then the trickle-down effect. And even on a greater scale, we saw this in the Bundesliga in Germany. I noted this in the Guardian where the four top league play, the four top teams, I can't name them, but the four top revenue teams are establishing a fund, I think 12 or 13 million euros, about 20 million, 18 to 20 million in US dollars. And that fund will be used to support the low revenue teams in the league. I thought that was a real bravo to those four teams looking out for the greater good. Could that happen here? Again, we're dealing with a collective bargain system. We're dealing with unions. We're dealing with salary caps, which may not make that necessary because of so much revenue sharing. But the point of all this is the weak links have to be protected in this. And as we go down the ladder of sports, they're going to be the more vulnerable. We talk about NBA. We talk about NHL. We talk about Major League Baseball. We don't talk about a lot about Major League Soccer. They're more vulnerable. We don't talk a lot about National Lacrosse League. They're more vulnerable, and we don't talk about Minor League Baseball. They're obviously more vulnerable. There was a statement they're going to continue to be paid through May, but I'm sorry, through April. But we'll see. You know, Minor League Baseball cannot withstand the losses that their leagues can. A National Lacrosse League, a National Soccer League. They can't withstand the losses, and of course, even Major League Soccer is going to be more vulnerable than these, quote-unquote, major sports like baseball, like basketball, like hockey, and then again, we'll get to the NFL. Okay, that's a point. Another point, Major League Baseball and Major League Players Association came to an agreement, and this has not been reported enough, but they have made a preemptive strike if it all goes away, meaning there is no baseball in 2020. And I thought it was interesting in these difficult times that the union and the Major League Baseball got together and essentially made an agreement. And I think there's a couple salient points coming out of this agreement. On the players' side, the big win, if if you call it a win, is service time, where the Major League Baseball and the players agreed that service time will apply even if there's no season. And the obvious example here is Mookie Betts, traded from the Red Sox to the Dodgers in the last year of his contract. Now, if there's no season, you wonder, well, will there be service time? Will be a free agent at the end of 2020? And certainly there's arguments both ways without this agreement. But the agreement says players will get service time. So a player like Mookie Betts coming into the last year of his contract, certainly he's been in the league long enough to be a free agent, will be a free agent, even if there's no season. So there there exists the possibility that Mookie Betts will never play for the L.A. Dodgers, even though he was traded there. So that's interesting. The other part of it is $170 million payment from the owners to the players, which calculates to, I believe, between 4 and 5% of collective salary for the Major League Baseball baseball players, will be paid regardless. So the players have agreed and the owners are covered now in terms of no season. They'll pay 5%. So is that a good deal? Well, I guess the owners protect their their downside risk. The, The players protect their downside risk, saying if it all goes away, you still get 5%. Now, I don't know. I have to look into this that that's the only money players will get. Obviously, it will come down to contracts. Are they going to play the games? But it was interesting to see that kind of an upfront payment of that $170 million. So again, the key to that agreement for the players was, hey, let's just make sure we get service time, and we'll see where that goes. But I thought it was interesting in this time of uncertainty the Major League Baseball Players Association, again, seen as the strongest union, not having a salary cap, gets together with Major League Baseball owners and say, okay, we're going to get this 170000000 million, we're going to get service time, we'll see what happens. No one wants to cancel the season, no one wants to stop operations, but they protected downside risk. Okay, another rant about college sports. People are not appreciating what the true revenues from college sports are. I know we hear all these rants about, hey, they're exploiting these athletes. You know, they're exploiting all these student athletes that bring all this money into the university. And of course, NIL, we've had a couple podcasts on name, image, and likeness. But now we're seeing sobering information about college sports. And this is what I try to point out. And I'm not being defensive about the NCA. I know I work for an institution, Villanova, but listen, you have to realize the primary revenue sources are in flux right now. The one primary revenue source is gone. And that is the March Madness full income from that. The other primary revenue source is in flux and that's college football. If college football goes away because of this virus, we got a problem in college sports. It's not life as we knew it is no longer there because the primary revenue source for so many colleges is college football. So listen, I understand, you know, the shaming of the programs like Alabama and Clemson and Penn state and Ohio state, et cetera, that have all these great facilities and pay coaches $10 million just for the head coach and all of that. But they are the outliers. And I don't know because I haven't seen the books, but they support all the non-revenue sports. So what we now have seen is the NCAA's distribution to the Division I members, Division II members, Division Three members has been drastically reduced because of the lack of March Madness. So where does that drastic reduction leave us? It leaves a, a couple areas vulnerable. Overall operations for athletic departments where we're seeing uh, Temple AD has talked about 5% across the board. We've seen athletic departments lay off people. And then, of course, with the student-athletes, we're going to need more private donations for some of these non-revenue sports. This is happening. And here's the group most vulnerable with the trickle-down effect of lack of revenues in college sports. Men's non-revenue sports. Because the hierarchy is going to be Men's football, men's basketball, and women's sports. Okay, that's going to be the hierarchy. Men's football, men's basketball, and women's sports. Those at risk are going to be men's non-revenue sports. And that's unfortunate. You know, when we talk about sports like pick pick a sport, wrestling... Tennis, rowing, even lacrosse, baseball even, soccer. They're going to be at risk here. And I'm not saying we're going to see this this diminution of those sports right away. But as the effects start feeling, start going over the coming weeks and months and even years, we're going to see what happens, especially if there's no season. We have seen administrators in football... College football say a couple things. One, it's maybe 50-50, whether I have a season or not. Two, the idea of a summer season, because we hear about the virus coming back in the fall. I'll get to that. All these things are fluid. So we talk mostly about pro sports here, but the business of college sports is really an issue right now that athletic departments and college presidents are talking about. And the funding is always number one. Where I have seen athletic directors, where their job has changed, from the idea of scheduling and managing to fundraising, okay? We have situations in college sports where even big-time programs have 25 sports where maybe one, and if they're extremely lucky, two, pay for themselves out of 20-something. So I worry about college sports. I worry about non-revenue college sports. I worry about non-revenue men's college sports, And now we have a decree from the NCAA that those spring sports student-athletes that didn't get their season are granted an extra year of eligibility and sort of throwing it back on the colleges. Hey, if you got money to give them scholarships, go ahead. But that makes it even harder because scholarship money, oh, man. I mean, that's not plentiful right now, especially for non-revenue sports. And on the pure coaching and organizational angle of it, These coaches have promised not only scholarships, but play time to incoming classes and existing classes and to sort of bring back student athletes that lost their year of eligibility complicates a lot of things. And of course, no extra year of grant of eligibility for winter sport student athletes, which includes basketball. So they're out of luck on that. All these new normals coming out. And now, we get to the new normal in the NFL, this, the, the sport I'm most familiar with and cover the most. Here's the situation in the NFL. And in three words, it's business as usual. We have seen them start free agency on time. We are seeing they are starting the draft on time. Okay, sure, it's going to be online. It's going to look like Hollywood Squares. It's going to look like the Brady Bunch. Roger Goodell, from some location, is going to be operating in all the teams from their locations. It's okay. No big deal. You don't need this for the NFL draft. You don't need gatherings. You don't need these green rooms and pictures of players with their agents and on the phone and getting apoplectic, which I always hated, you know, starting with Aaron Rodgers, that aren't getting picked and you have cameras on them for hours on a time. That's fine. We don't need that. Draft will be fine. Off season could be a virtual off season. Fine. Okay. You know, we'll have zoom meetings. I understand coaches want players, but you know, the CBA has reduced the off season already. It's, it's okay. Now we talk about the season and there was a meeting yesterday, obviously teleconference between the NFL owners and they made some statements after it. And the statements really came down to a couple things. One, they're going to the full playoffs, you know, adding the team. We knew they were going to do that. One of the games, simulcast on Nickelodeon. That's cute. That's great. Uh, But going forward, as of now, here we go. Full season, 16-game season, adding the playoff game. And I get it. You want to instill confidence in your fans and your media and your sponsors. Everything's full speed ahead. But gosh, I mean... This is it, you know, balancing the idea of instilling confidence, but also balancing that tone diff. You know, we're, <laughs> this was hours before the the president's conference, where he said these next two weeks are going to be grim, and we're talking about plus $100,000, 100,000 people dying of this. It mm, just seemed like the NFL could have been a little more conditional, a little more qualitative. A little more quantifying whatever they said in terms of, okay, if things are okay. Now, you know, compounding all of this is Dr. Fauci, who is our voice of reason through all this, despite his sobering remarks, saying this virus could be back. And it's not only him. I heard a virologist on NBC last night saying the likelihood is this virus comes back in the fall. That's a problem. You know, that is a real problem for gathering thousands, tens of thousands of fans and maybe even without fans. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I don't want to look at the NFL and say to the world, oh my God, the most popular sport in America can't happen. But geez, you know, I think the NFL has got to be cautious and I get it. They want to instill confidence that, hey, you know, we're doing free agency. Hey, we're giving you something sports. We're doing the draft. Hey, we're giving you something to talk about. That's not dreary. But the season, do we need to say at March 31st, the season's full go? I guess. I mean, you know, but there's got to be qualifications. This thing is fluid. Nobody wants to not have the NFL. Nobody wants that. But gosh, I mean, how are we going to do this if the virologists and scientists are saying it's coming back? Are we going to have antibody tests for every NFL player? Are we going to have thermometers at every entrance to NFL games? Are we going to have mandatory masks? I mean, these are the kind of things you have to start thinking about. And I know the NFL has the resources to start thinking about this, and I assume they are. But I, And also, let me say again, I get the positivity. But we have to qualify that with realism. And we'll see what's going on. And so, again, like the administration at large, like everyone talking right now, let's see, you know, let's see. (laughs) I think we need another press conference from the NFL. Obviously we're going to hear from them during the draft in 23 days, but the question is what's next. And, you know, we have no off season. We're focusing on the draft from the NFL side and we'll see, you know, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I just think we have to be cautious at this time. The NFL is saying what they need to say, but hopefully that's tempered with some realism, especially, and I'm going to bring this up in every podcast, with the fear that the virus goes away in the summer and comes back in the fall when temperatures you know, reach. And again, if, if the NCAA football goes to summer only, that's something the NFL has got to think about. They have to, you know, and then of course, different sports leagues get involved and playing their games. And what about overlap? I think that's the least of our concerns right now. Can we stage a season? What are the scientists and virologists telling us? If we do, will there be fans? How will fans be treated? Okay. (laughs) I know there's so much uncertainty, but I wanted to do this podcast on April 1 to sort of say, okay, one quarter into 2020. Where we are, where we're looking ahead, so much is fluid. I will be following this. I will get you through this on this podcast about where we're going. Stay tuned. Okay, that's my rants. I'll get to a question in a minute. First, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Of course, we've got to stand still. You might think there's nothing to bet on, but Bet Online's got a lot to bet on. It's online. They have dollar poker series. If you're into props, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol. Stock prices, the weather, your mobile device will let you do that. So visit our friends, their exclusive partner, Podcast One Bet Online, to take advantage of best bonuses in the business. Don't forget that promo code, Podcast One. For your 100% sign-up bonus, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Still going Still a lot to bet on.
0: It's time to hear from you. If you've got a question for Andrew, leave him a voicemail at 484-416-5654.
1: Our call this week is from Richmond in South Carolina. Richmond, welcome. Hey, Andrew. It's Richmond Weaver in Greenville, South Carolina, and also host of the Rich Take on Sports podcast in My Questions if the pandemic shortens the NFL season are there any type of NFL contracts that would allow players to be paid up front instead of uh, per game similar to what we're seeing with some NBA players who have received 90 plus percent of their 2019-2020 salaries by today April 1st and also would you be a guest on our podcast bridge take on sports Thanks, Rich. I'll get back to you on the podcast. I I think that what's going on in the NBA when you talk about players have gotten a great percentage of their 2019-20 salaries is because 80% of the season is done. And there was a statement from the NBA that April 1 – or there was reports that April 1 salaries are good, but we'll see about April 15th. Listen, it comes down to where I started this podcast, contracts and NFL contracts and what do they say – if I was negotiating for a team last right now, and we were doing NFL contracts, I would put in pandemic language. Would it apply to the pandemic right now? That would be a fight with the agent or attorney in doing that. Because again, if I was on the player side, which I am right now representing players for Vayner sports, I would say no way you're putting in epidemic or pandemic language, primarily because it's a pre-existing condition, but also show me the contracts Does your other players have this? And of course that would be a fight. But every team is focusing on their contracts right now for the future. And how do you deal with epidemics and pandemics? In terms of players getting paid right away, the contracts seem to be the same way they've always been, with bonuses being outlaid early in the contract in the NFL, and then of course salaries. But the salaries, according to the new CBA, are now going to be paid not over 17 weeks, but over 34 weeks. So that is a new part of the CBA, and that will start in September, assuming we have a season. If we don't, okay, there will be lawyers. We'll see what happens. But the bonuses have been paid, and here is the funky part of that. Because in all these contracts, it says you will be paid your bonus upon execution, or a part of it upon execution, a part of it later. And if it's a huge bonus, maybe it's a million, two million, five million upon execution in March, and then down the road. And of course, all these bonuses are due in March for existing contracts, uh, you know, start of the league year, which was March. But for the new contracts, say they get the bonus, they get to a point where they can get the physical, they get failed physical, teams gotta go after those bonuses because they were paid according to uh the contract, unless the bonus says Not paid until you pass a physical, which could be, in this situation, weeks or months, and the agents have to fight that. So all of this I'm talking about is fluid because of this situation. It just seems so unique right now, but that's the new normal, and that's where we are. And as always, there will be lawyers. Thanks for the question, Richmond. I'll take your questions every week. Just Google uh, voicemail at 484-416-5654. Again, 484-416-5654. And a final note on the pod, uh, I'm going to be starting a Patreon account. Uh, It's going to give different tiers where you can get more of my content, where you can speak to me, where you can ask questions. I've been getting so much questions about this and more to come, but I will be starting a Patreon account. Just as Ross Tucker does, just as so many uh, podcasts do, I will be joining the fray with that. And that'll do it for this week's Brant's Rants edition on the state of sports in this pandemic right now on April 1st. Really appreciate the music underscoring by Sam, who's home, Sam Brant. My producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal. Appreciate those of you who follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brant. And Apple podcast rankings and comments are truly appreciated. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay well, be safe. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the
0: Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack, with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize 1 in 4.16.